a glimpse of what's going on around the world as it pertains to persecution. Today, Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from their government, neighbors, and family simply because of their belief in Jesus. 70% of all believers in the world practice their Christian faith, practicing their Christian faith, live in areas defined by persecution. According to one organization uh, helping the persecuted church, over 100 million followers of Christ are being targeted for their faith today. So, normal Christianity, normal Christianity is defined by persecution. Normal, persecu or normal Christianity means being persecuted. More than 75% of the Christian community has fled Iraq in the last five years. Some 700,000 Christians have fled Syria over the, past, over the past four years, and we know that number rises every day. However, in spite of all of those statistics, North Korea is the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian today, 13 years in a row. North Korea, it is believed that 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are being held in detention camps as we worship here this morning. An average of at least 180 Christians around the world are killed every single month for their faith. This week we were in a, a conference and uh, Nick Rickton told a story. In the 90s they got to Somalia and there were 150 Christians in the people group, the, the, um, the uh, 10 million people, the people group that they were ministering to. 150. After one decade of, of laborious work for the sake of the gospel in Somalia, that number had dwindled to four. 146 of their closest friends in this world had been hunted down like animals and killed because of their faith. Now, in spite of those statistics and in spite of those stories, or in light of those statistics and in light of those stories, excuse me, uh, my response to that is, God, it is time to take them out. It's time to take them out. I mean, if anybody, I've seen, the, I've seen the news stories. I've watched the YouTube videos. God, I don't know why you're allowing them to live, but the time is up. I've gone so far as to pray, God, I don't even think they deserve the gospel. To which I know he responded, how dare you, Scott? You don't deserve it either. Nick Ripken, when they were getting ready to go to Somalia, he uh, went into the vice president of the organization he was working with his office, and one of the vice presidents said, hey, we want to go to Somalia. He said, yeah, I've heard. That's a pretty tough place. And Nick Ripken said, yeah, it, it is a tough place. Uh, they, don't, uh, they, they don't care about the gospel. They don't, really, they don't, have, they don't have a desire um, to respond to the gospel, to which the vice president said, how dare you say that? How can you say that they, they, they don't have a desire to respond to the gospel when they have never even heard it? They've never even heard it. This week, 
I was reminded that over the last 2,000 years, the church has abandoned their calling to go to the nations, specifically the Middle East area. For about 2,000 years, generation after generation after generation, people have lived and they have died and they have never heard the gospel of Jesus. And they've passed that on to the next generation and the next generation over and over and over again. There is generational spiritual poverty. And the result is what we have today. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that there's not a role for government in this. Absolutely there is. But what I do believe in as much as that is that the reason there's a role for the government is because the church globally, generationally, generationally has abandoned theirs. And Jesus knew that this was going to happen. He knew it. In the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus spoke to this very issue. He was on the side of a mountain. There were hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. And he was, in a, he was living in a context, much like the context of so many believers around the world today. They were living under one of the most treacherous um, uh, empires that have ever lived regarding Christianity. The Roman Empire. Nero, we just heard a little bit about Nero's reign and the death of so many Christians under it. And Jesus, on the side of the mountain, in that very context, says, hey, you're going to be persecuted. It was just read a few minutes ago. You're going to be persecuted, and you're blessed to be persecuted for the sake of my name. And then he gives two word pictures. He says, number one, you're the, the salt of the earth. And we all know that means that, he, that salt in that day and age was a preservative. It, it, would, it would stop decay. Whenever there was no salt in, 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 with food or there was no preservation of food, it would begin to de- decay. It would begin to rot. It would begin to stink. And Jesus said, Christianity, those who claim my name, you're preservative to the culture. You're preservative in this world. And whenever you abandon your mission, decay begins to take root in a culture. Whenever, church, you you abandon your mission, when you are no longer salt, the culture begins to stink. And when that happens generationally, you get what we have today. The next word, uh, uh, word picture Jesus uses is he says, you're the, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And in that culture, um, it, it, was, it was very expensive to build a city on top of a hill. It was very difficult uh, to get the resources. And it was very expensive to get the resources up on top of the hill and to build uh, a, a city up on it, up on that hill. And so most cities would never be built on a hill. But when... They would put forth the effort and they would pay the money necessary to build a hill on top, uh, build a city on top of a hill. It was, it was put there for a specific reason. It was, it was strategic. It was strategically located. And it was, it was there to support all the surrounding region. It was there to give safety. It was there as a respite. It was there to give life to the surrounding region. When they would go to the effort of building a city up on a hill, it was for a strategic purpose. And Jesus says, Christians, 
followers of Christ, those who claim my name, you are like that. You are strategically located. And you're not there just for yourself, but you're there for the region, for the people that you're around. And when you don't, when you don't take the light to the darkness, we see the results. And so generationally, we have abdicated our responsibility to take the gospel, to be salt, to be light in our world and the result we're living with today. Well, as I heard that, not obviously not explained like that, but as I, I, I heard about uh, this, this abdication of responsibility and this call um, this week, my heart began to change. And so this morning, as kind of I try and land this plane this morning, my prayer is twofold. Number one, it is for those being persecuted. God, protect them. God, use them to take the gospel to their area. But Father, my also, also my prayer is, would you please send? Continue sending people into the fields of the harvest. Be- begin or uh, continue sending salt, sending light to people who need it. So I'm going to pray that God would send us, you, me, our kids, even our grandkids, as salt and as light to those who are actually doing the persecuting. So this morning, I'm going to close us out with a prayer, and then we'll sing a song and and get out of here. But as we close, my prayer is twofold. For the persecuting or persecutors and those who are being persecuted. And that God's love, that a better story would come to those who are doing the persecuting. That they would know that somebody loves them enough to die. And their lives would be changed as a result. Let's pray. Father, this morning, our prayer is for those that are being persecuted, even as we worship in this room freely. Lord, that you would protect them, that that your word would go forth. But Father, we also pray for those that are doing the persecuting. One of the amazing things about grace is that it stretches even farther than that. It stretches even further than their their most heinous crime. Father, your grace stretches further. And Lord, while it is true, they don't deserve it, neither do we. That's the amazing thing about grace. But Father, I pray that they would hear it. They would be cut to the core. Their lives would be transformed by a new and a better story of your son. May our hearts begin to change towards those that are doing the persecuting as we remember this. In your name we pray. Amen.